Welcome to Hound Headlines for the week of March 7th, 2023. I'm James Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii. And I'm Claire Mansell in London, England. Today on the podcast. We are talking about strange laws that legislators are enacting to keep dogs from doing things that dogs do naturally. <laughs> and Bisbee, the English setter, has proudly stepped up to claim a Guinness Book of Records world record for having the longest tongue. And in an editorial piece, one journalist asks people to stop misgendering her dog. Mm. So we ask, do dogs even have a gender? This episode is brought to you in association with our sponsors, Everpup. Here's a story from Mariel England. Is she our correspondent? She sounds like Mary England with a middle name old. <laughs> That's a crummy middle name, yes. Yeah. Uh, Mary Eng- from the United Kingdom. What's happening oh, there? What did, what, okay. did you, what did you pick up? Well, this was an article which I spotted, which is more of a kind of like um, an editorial article rather than a news article. But a journalist wrote about people misgendering her dog. And this does happen a lot, particularly if you have a female dog. And it it got me thinking all about the whole role of dogs and gender. So her complaint is that when you meet a dog in the park or when you're talking to an owner, they naturally assume that dogs are male. That is always the first assumption. They will say, how old is he? What has happened to his leg in the case of Maple? Mm -hmm. Um, And with cats, they tend to assume that they're female. So there is a whole bag of worms here because we're deep into the gender debate in the world. But do dogs have a gender? So we wanted to kind of pick that apart on this part of the show and and just have a little discussion about dogs and gender. So over to you. Do you think dogs have a gender? Gender. I think this this engenders a conversation about (laughs) what is gender, what is sexuality, what is femininity and masculinity. And I think they're all very convoluted in some minds in my mind they're kind of clear but when it comes to our dogs they it doesn't really matter because i don't think they go through life associating one thing versus another to me it's really about there are some masculine traits and there are some feminine traits and there's some more androgynous traits and you can have a little mixture of, of all sorts of things and to me that's the natural order of things that's what happens naturally but we have covered on Dog Podcast Network in the past, you know, people who really get into this in a big way and want to make sure that their dogs are macho. And even after they're fixed, they get nudicles, you know, basically fake balls. I'd never heard of these. Yeah. these is, this, is this just an American thing? Uh, probably. <laughs> probably only certain parts of America, but yeah. Uh, for, for anyone who doesn't know what they are, can you just explain? I know it's a bit... Graphic. Fake balls. Basically fake balls. They're cosmetic testicles that are surgically inserted into the area where the testicle was removed when the dog was fixed. And it's, as you can imagine, pretty controversial because... They don't need them. Not every veterinarian agrees to... It is clearly cosmetic surgery for dogs. Mm. But people do it for no health benefit, obviously. They only do it for the fact that they want a dog to walk around with 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 large balls. But this this then wanders into this whole idea of 
people using dogs as kind of props to display their own gender identity, essentially. And and this yeah. is so you, you're talking about men and their muscly, big dogs who are Machismo. strong and threatening. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. With, with like spiked collars, right? Yeah. So you've got, you've got that and on one side. And chains and big chains, like industrial sized <laughs> chains that could, that could haul a car. And that's what you, and that's your leash. Yeah, and then, 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 of course, there's this sort of whole trend for like more and more muscly dogs, and mm-hmm. you know, breeding more. And this is, of course, a terrible trend because a lot of dogs are suffering as a result of it. But on the other side of things, you've then got a certain type of woman who likes to have a very feminine-looking dog, and they will have a like a sparkly collar, and they'll have a pink leash and you can literally get tutus for dogs and i've seen you know and handbag dogs of course seen as very feminine mm-hmm. even you know so it is a really interesting thing and i did look up you were raising the question of what is gender and i and i looked it up because i wanted to be clear about it but gender according to the definition is typically referencing social and cultural differences so it's mm-hmm. not what you're born as it is how you present to the world and a dog a dog does not alter its own appearance in order to be more, you know, humans put that upon them. Right. But they don't. They may rub themselves in some dirt or even better smelling <laughs> stuff, but they're not really doing it for any gender identification. No, they're not thinking, I want to grow my hair longer or work on my beach waves or, right. you know, walk in a certain way to be more masculine or more feminine. So I really don't think that dogs have gender. And therefore, this idea of misgender, of calling them the wrong thing and it being offensive is is totally us, isn't it? It's totally the dog owners. I think so. I think we project a lot of things on our dogs, including some of our own inappropriate ideas about gender, feminism, masculinism, machismo. Yeah. yeah. And and these yeah. are and these are expressions because you know, this goes to one of my biggest pet peeves, pun intended, dressing up dogs in the first place. Unless your dog <laughs> really needs to be warm because you live in a very cold place. I'm just not a big fan of costumes for dogs. But that's me. But don't you think that maybe a dog can enjoy it because they are getting attention and, you know, they're feeling special because their owner's spending time with them? Do you think Do you think there's any chance a dog can enjoy it? Oh, I do think dogs like to look good and do like to be shown yeah. attention. I, I know that our dogs, which are all Maltese and generally or Maltipoos and, you know, need to go to the salon or, or need to have mm. get groomed, feel so much better after being groomed or even getting a bath and having, you know, nails trimmed mm. and, and all of that. So, yeah, I think they, they do appreciate the attention of feeling good smelling good i mean mm. i think they see the world a lot through their noses so if you do things to make sure that they don't stink i think they appreciate that yeah but that's not that's not dressing up though is it that is it and no i think that's, is- that's getting a dog into its natural beautiful well-kept yeah maintained state yeah okay versus putting a jacket or a tutu or a spiked collar on it so the conclusion to all of this is dogs don't have a gender. They have a sex, but they don't have a gender. And this is something we put upon them. And so therefore, the whole misgendering thing, just get over it. Yeah, those British newspapers. What's he talking about? So next, we're off to Florida. Florida. 
Florida, the bottommost state of America, kind of. They come up with some interesting rules and interesting proposed legislation all the time. Currently, there is a bill before the state legislature that proposes a ban on dogs from hanging their heads out of car windows. What's that about, Claire? So this is more than just that, isn't it? It's all about kind of safely traveling with your pet. Right. So this is a health and safety thing, and it just happens to include dogs hanging their heads out of windows. Maybe that's the most newsworthy, but it's a whole litany of things that if this bill becomes a law in Florida would uh, make it illegal for dogs to do, and therefore the people who own the dogs to have their dogs engage in certain activities such as? Uh, such as being unharnessed in the car, not being in a crate, that kind of stuff. So the foundation behind this is kind of sound. It's about keeping dogs safe, which is a great thing, which I love. But also we're getting into that dangerous territory of legislating everything and taking the joy out of life. And I think all of us who have seen a dog hanging its head out of a window ah, um, <laughs> knows what joy they get from it. So we were talking, weren't we, about how there have been certain occasions where health and safety has has snuck in on dog-related things. And the one I always think about is every now and again, a dog chasing a stick will get the stick in its mouth and it will pierce its tongue or hurt its inside of its mouth. Mm -hmm. And then there will be this crazy thing on social media where they'll say, don't throw a stick for a dog ever. Go out and get one of those rubber substitutes for a stick because your dog will be hurt. But I wonder if there's any commercial interest in that. <laughs> Probably. But it's sad, isn't it? Because lots of dogs love getting a stick. And the other classic one is um, I was having a conversation with somebody in a park about my dog who loves to run. And I said, oh, I'm concerned because I don't want her running too much. I'm worried that, you know, when she's older, her joints might suffer as a result of it. And this person said to me, oh, it's not the running you need to worry about. It's the sudden stopping when you throw them a ball. And so therefore, what you should do is just never throw them a ball in the park. They were deadly serious. Mm -hmm. And my dog is ball obsessed. You know, she clearly would much rather have a life full of balls and retrieving balls that's slightly shorter mm -hmm. than have a long life with no balls in it. <laughs> I am talking about rubber balls. There's a bumper sticker there. Yeah, yeah. long life with no balls. Back to nuticles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so what do you think about this? Because as I say, it's it's like a it's health and safety. It's it's fundamentally it's good. But it's well-intentioned. And, and I think what's interesting to me is, you know, knowing a little bit about some of the, in my opinion, silly stuff, mm -hmm. silly stuff that comes out of Florida, that this is coming from Florida, which is kind of like, do whatever you want, but clearly not what you want when it relates to dogs. Now, there's a component of this proposed legislation that I'll, I'm all in favor with, which is establishing a registry of people who are convicted of animal abuse. And oh. I think that's kind of good yeah but i think that you know does letting your dog and getting a ticket and a fine and going for letting your dog stick its head out of a window yeah. is that worthy of, of animal abuse no you know I, there's all sorts of things that people want to legislate which is wrong i, I think the united states is particularly i don't know if the uk is as gaga about this as the mm, u.s but not really uh, the Germans, I know, have often laughed at American laws mm. that, you know, basically here in the United States, we have printed on coffee cups, 
caution contents may be high. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Germans laugh at that, and you know, and then also they you know like knives may be sharp. Yeah, caution knives may be sharp. These are things that many people around the world think we're a little too careful about. Yeah, and this definitely falls into that category. And it's interesting because I looked online at weird laws relating to dogs, and I thought not just thought, Florida though. I thought I might struggle with this. It turns out not. It turns out there's quite a lot of weird rules relating to dogs. So in um, Hartford in Connecticut, it is illegal to educate your dog. (laughs) So I I I saw that. Have we dug into the basis for this very important law in Hartford, Connecticut? I guess they're just worried about dogs taking over the town if they have too Uh, much knowledge. But I mean, where is the line on education? Because training is a form of education. This feels like something that we need to investigate. (laughs) So there are some other things. Uh, In Alaska, it is illegal to tie a dog to the roof of your car and animals must not enter beauty salons, which are because... (laughs) They would be going to a beauty salon for the purpose of getting their hair done up. So you cannot get your dog done up at a beauty (laughs) salon in Alaska, nor can you put it on the roof of your car. Even if it's a poodle. Can you not take it to the beauty salon if it's a poodle? Because, you know, they they have... Not according to to our crack team of researchers. But (laughs) I, I really like the idea that, I mean, you know, maybe that makes sense is that you shouldn't be able to strap your dog to the <laughs> top of the car why would you do that why would you do it it needs to be legislated because well, <laughs> because this is this is america this i don't know how many times did it happen before someone said we need to put that into law you must not put your dog on the roof of the car yeah. now sweden now sweden obviously great scandinavian country and initially i read this rule and i thought that's just weird and then i I realise that maybe a bit of it's been lost in translation because essentially what they're doing is laying out the fundamentals of a certain level of care that a dog must receive in a doggy daycare centre, and then it makes a lot more sense. So any dog attending a daycare centre in Sweden must be able to see out of a sunny window. Mm. And I think what they're saying is like a a light window, essentially, one that's letting in daylight. So it must be able to see out and see like proper day, like not through a window at a brick wall, for instance. My favorite one now is in your own country, in the United Kingdom. <laughs> there is a law, yes. Claire, that defies all the other laws that we've yes. been talking about, I think, that it is illegal to let your pet mate with a pet from a royal household. Yes. Well, I. <laughs> this, so if this you makes... had grand ambitions. <laughs> For your dog. Mm, this, this also weirdly made me think of the royal sort of grandchildren as well and how <laughs> they they must have had to control who mated with the royal grandchildren. I've always thought that that would be very awkward if they sort it of produced any offspring. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so generally just don't let anyone in your household, whether it's canine or human, mate with the royal family without their consent. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a decree from the king yeah exactly you know maybe that's part of charles's new reign which is not that far off is it you know the coronation that could be the loosening up of these <laughs> incredible restraints that are yeah and these yeah. are I'm, I'm presuming that one's probably hundreds of years 
Oh. Probably older than the United States is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I would love to know if anyone listening to this has got any weird laws where they live, because I'm sure... In your local jurisdiction, yeah. Yeah, you know, or, or even even down to cities have strange laws. Like, you know, for instance, I know in Ottawa, you can't have more than three dogs in a household. That's like a city bylaw. And I mean, that's that's kind of sensible, but there are little rules in little areas around the world, and I'd mm-hmm. love to know them. So you can always, you know, get in touch with us via Dog Podcast Network or on social media we would love to hear them next we are off to tucson arizona where we look at a guinness book of world records record yeah bisbee the english setter English setter by name, but not English by nature. She's Canadian. <laughs> so Bisbee, the English setter, has become the latest in a long line of living dogs who have become world record holders for having the longest tongue. So this tongue, which is very impressive, not always on display, only on display when Bisbee is very very excited or very hot, measures 3.74 inches. Um, so it's got to be a joke in this somewhere. Jim, I was going to go, how long is 3.74 inches, Jim? Um, or 9.49 centimetres. And this is a three-year-old dog. Yep. How do you think they measured the tongue? Carefully. <laughs> no, but I mean, quite, quite seriously. Wait, you, mean, you mean how far back does it go? No, 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 because no, no, they, they measure it. They measure oh. it from where it hangs out of the mouth right. to the end of it, right? right? But how do you actually do that? Bearing in mind that when a dog is has a tongue hanging out, it's panting, right. it's probably not standing still, the tongue wags around and all that kind of stuff. So it's a genuine question. How do you think they did it? Um, I don't know. I'm Here's what I would do. Yeah. I would give it something to lick and then I would photograph it. And then be able to calibrate things. But that's my high-tech solution, how to do it. What do they do? Well, when I read this initially, I read it and I jumped to a conclusion too early in what they were saying. They said they sedated the dog. And I was like, that's horrific. You can't sedate a dog just to measure the tongue. But it turns out they were sedating the dog for something completely unrelated. It was an operation the dog was having. And while the dog was sedated... The owner, who I think, they don't say this, but I think she must be a vet or a veterinary nurse, said, I think my dog has got the world's longest tongue. So they got a tape measure out because the dog was like, uh, on the operating table. Mm-hmm. And they measured it and obviously then took the record, took the photo. But that's how they did it. Because I was thinking, how on earth would you do it? But it was the dog was asleep at the time. So if you think your dog might have a long tongue, you know, ask for a little general anesthesia. No. Well, uh, I mean, Jim, seriously, seriously now, Maple is being spayed in a couple of months' time. And so I was like, well, she's going to be under. Okay. Could Is my vet going to think I'm really weird if I ask if they could measure her tongue? Not if you <laughs> give him access to this podcast and understand <laughs> that it's all in the interest of earning yourself a Guinness Book of World – or Maple, a Guinness Book of World Records record. Yes, but wouldn't it genuinely – I'm dead serious about this. I don't think you're taking me seriously enough. No, I'm not clearly wouldn't, not. <laughs> wouldn't it be really interesting to know? Because this is a bit of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I'm hoping she's not going to undergo anesthesia, you know, again anytime soon. Yeah. And it's coming up in a couple of months. Wouldn't it be interesting to know, even if she's not the world record holder, where she stands on that? Because it's 3.74 inches. 
Wouldn't it be interesting? I totally support that. And I promise that day that will be the least invasive part of the procedure. <laughs> That's true. I think she was like, oh, well, you, I could have just stuck my tongue out. But what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> no, I want, I want a photo because okay. even if it turns out she's like. I think you should get into the surgeon, surgery, as they call it. There. Yeah. I think you should be there. You should be in your you know mask and scrub or whatever they, they outfit. <laughs> with, and, with my and your TPM. And your. <laughs> Your DPN microphone and a um, these are not props. We will be using these later this year, and your and your tape measure and making sure that you can record for the Guinness Book. This momentum. This is accelerated quickly. So now I'm actually going to ask to be in the operating theater to measure my own dog's tongue. <laughs> I, I think that you wouldn't want to take it secondhand. I think you really oh, want to okay. be there for it. It's worthy. Will I have to scrub up and then like walk into the room like this, like they do on the <laughs> surgery programs? You know, you I, I don't in? know how sterile the I don't know how sterile your vet hospital is, but the ones that I've witnessed, not so much. <laughs> Right. Well, I, I, you know, watch this space. I am going to run it by my vet, who is obviously going to think I'm a lunatic, but I want to know how long my dog's time. Do you, and it's all in the interest of science and, uh, you know, entertainment. I, I just, I fear that if I'm not there personally to oversee this, that they're going to come out and they're going to say, well, Maple recovered very well for the operation. I'm going to say, how long was her tongue? And they go, oh, we forgot. It's not a standard, <laughs> it's not on our standard, op- you know, we, we, we check the anesthesia, we check the sutures, we, and we don't know. Oh, oops. Yeah, that's why yeah. you have to be there, Claire. Uh, you okay, have okay. to be there to measure and bring your own measuring instrument. I will be that pushy pup parent. That's not yeah. easy to say that. Yeah. Um, now, talking about world records, because mm. there are quite a lot of them to do with dogs. There are. I had a look at a few of them. The highest jump by a dog. There was a photograph that went with this, and it's incredible. So this is a dog who jumped. How tall are you? Well, this I'm six. <laughs> no, I was I was already further question. along in our notes. I'm six one. Okay, so it jumped higher okay, so than I higher am. Higher than you. That's that's what I was about to say. Yeah. It could jump over your head. It jumped yeah. six foot three. Yeah, and this is a, a greyhound. Which, if you're following at home, 191.7 centimeters. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and this was back in 2017. But the photo of this, of this dog, and the owner was shorter than six foot three as well. And it just effortlessly just cleared this thing. It was inc- incredible. Um, you want to do the tennis ball one? That's quite cool. Yes, the tennis ball one. The world record for the most tennis balls held in the mouth by a dog at one time is five. Five, that's not it. Augie, who is a golden retriever who's owned by the Miller family in Dallas, Texas, successfully gathered and held all five regulation-sized tennis balls in July of 2003, so about 20 years ago. Yeah. But five tennis balls doesn't... It's a, it's a lot. Five tennis balls? Is it? How many tennis balls can you hold in your mouth? <laughs> I'd rather not say. <laughs> I rather not say. True story, and I am diverting a lot on this yeah. this conversation. But this is clearly where we are on this show. <laughs> I met my husband when I was midway through a competition. Not tennis balls. Mm. To see how many Pringles I could fit in my mouth. No way. <laughs> yes. Really? Okay. Yes. And so how many Pringles did you have in your mouth? I, I wish I could remember this detail, but it got lost in the midst of time. But there I was. If you can imagine all these Pringles. He was not put off by this, came over. I mean, it, it was a drunken evening, yeah. but, you know, came over and then attempted to see how many Pringles he could fit in his mouth. It's very hard because they're very drying, by the way. Like, um, he told me many years later, 
the whole putting Pringles in his mouth thing had nearly backfired terribly because he'd nearly been sick. <laughs> well, so, you would have found that attractive. I, I no. had no idea. This is this is important ways of meeting people. So <laughs> exactly. Okay, so I did, and nor did I know that was one of your talents, which is pretty well, extraordinary too. I don't know if there's a space for that in the Guinness Book of Records. I mean, there's dogs and tennis balls, but not Springles. I'm not so sure. Um, yeah, I suppose there could be anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now this also links, in my head at least, to something else, which is I really don't like balloons. I, I just don't like being in a room with balloons. <laughs> and that's and that's the end of the story. Okay. There's a connection but here. There is a connection because because there's a whippet who holds the record for popping a hundred balloons in 36 seconds. And they basically run round and bite all the balloons. And he did a hundred in 36 seconds. Bang, bang, bang. Okay. And our final Guinness book of world records is for the most balls caught by a dog with their paws in just one minute, 14 balls were caught. And this was achieved by a beagle named Purin, whose owner in Japan did this in uh, March of 2015. 14 balls in one minute. It's interesting. Some of these are like quite long-standing records, aren't they? You know, mm -hmm. like the, I'm thinking of the 2003 for the tennis balls in the mouth, and no one's, no one's challenged that dog for 20 years. Yeah. Whereas the tongue one that we started with seems to be quite regularly overthrown. Mm -hmm. It seems to be, And you it know, will be overthrown by your <laughs> Maybe, maybe. I'm seriously going to have to see if I can get my vet on side with this because, yeah. It's in the interest of science. Yes, obviously. <laughs> science, entertainment, and broadcasting. Well, those are the hound headlines for this week. And we would love to hear from you if you have any hound headlines of your own. If you spot anything during the week, the easiest way if you spot it on social media is just tag us in the comments of something that you see on social media. Or if you want to send us an email, you can get in touch with us via dogpodcastnetwork.com. Our sponsor for this episode was Everpup. Everpup is the ultimate daily dog supplement. A little sprinkle of green powder on your dog's food every day helps get the vitamins and minerals and prebiotics and probiotics and dietary apoptogens that your dog needs. You can try Everpup by going to everpupclub.com. Enter the code DPN for Dog Podcast Network in, and you can get your first jar of Everpup for only $8. That's a full month supply for most dogs. And if you have a small dog, that is a two-month supply for just $8. Everpupclub.com. And may possibly make your dog a world record holder. I mean, we can't guarantee that, but it but it could. Could it be the vital ingredient to get them a world record? You never know. But it does taste good, and you can watch the dog's tongue going. And then if you get the camera Ooh. out... Yeah. I suggested versus general <laughs> anesthesia and calibrate things. Yeah. You may be able to calculate your dog's tongue, but not as precisely as Claire's going to do later mm -hmm. this year. I see what you did there. Well, that really is all the time we have for today. I want to thank you so much for joining us. I'm James Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii. And I'm Claire Mansell in London, England. On behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, we want to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? 
Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.